Christmas in July. Everybody. Welcome to the No Name Music Cast. My name's Tim and this is Joy. And it's my turn to pick the topic this week. And as ever, Joy doesn't know what I've decided to pick. So this is the topic. We have an audio intro and I think this is copyright free, but it'll be fine. Are you ready? Okay. It's Christmas in July! (laughs) (laughs) So I should point out to everyone listening, especially our friends in England, this has probably been the hottest week of the year so far. It's it's bubbled around 90 degrees Fahrenheit, whatever that is in pound shillings and pence, but it is incredibly hot. So So I think we discovered it was like 30, 37 degrees Celsius, something along those lines. So think about that. Well, we were talking about our Zoom last week. Something around those lines, guys. <laughs> exactly. I'll be honest with you. I never really understood temperature till I lived here. I don't know why. <laughs> it was a. It was. Maybe I never paid attention to it, but I've embraced this Fahrenheit temperature, and I can understand that ninety is baking hot. And because like... you're be- okay, I want to ask something really stupid, Tim. Are ovens in Europe in Celsius? The electric ones are, but most people have gas. Okay, so it's like in Fahrenheit. How does that work? Well, the other thing you have to consider is I grew up. I grew up in houses that had gas ovens. All the houses I grew up with had okay. gas. And secondly, I don't think I've ever knowingly operated the oven in any oh, house. Oh yeah, I've I ever forgot to tell the guy literally. Okay. <laughs> Everybody in Europe, I need to understand this. How? What do your ovens say? Because, like, okay, ours are in Fahrenheit. And the reason that Fahrenheit kind of works, I think, and Tim may, as somebody who's done a little bit of both, is 100 sounds really high. It's a very <laughs> large number. 30 is not. I'm not saying I really wish we could go to the metric system and all this stuff and match the rest of the world. I'm not saying we're right, but I understand what Tim is saying that you might pay more attention to 100 versus 30. <laughs> no, no, that's true. I mean, I, I, as I said, I have no point of reference because I think every house I ever lived in in England had gas. So did it not have like a temperature gauge on it? No, because they just say gas mark six or gas mark five. So that's on the the actual like hood of the stove. Like if you're putting a pot on, but what if you put like some cookies in? That's okay. Tim's not going to know that answer. I, let me let me tell you, Joy. If you, if you want to <laughs> set up an electric guitar, or you want me to fix something, <laughs> or I don't know, I can even patch drywall at this point. But if I ask him to build my laptop next week, he's got it. <laughs> yeah, but I, the, the the basic operation of an oven is not for me. <laughs> this episode is already starting off great. Continue. <laughs> I have a lot of logistic questions of how ovens work in other countries. I know the showers are crazy because I know that from being in hotels, but I never had an oven. Yeah, because most in in England in particular, certainly on the sink, there's a separate one for hot and there's a separate one for cold and they don't mix. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and every time I've ever been, so I've been to France, I've been to England, I've been to Spain, and I've been to Greece now. Mm-hmm. Greece's shower was exactly like ours. It didn't have any of those crazy, like, but I remember being when I was in France, there was a lot of different like settings and I never could figure it out. And so I was just being either showered cold or hot or I never knew what I was doing. It didn't matter. And Spain, I feel like it was always just cold, but that kind of worked because it was so hot the entire time I was there. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what they're maybe they're just sitting around their electric bill. But Greece, I will say I went to Greece about what, two years now, Tim, it's probably been two, three years now. Mm-hmm. So. We had like one of those. It was like weirdly enough, the hotel almost like a claw foot, like big bathtub. But the um, the shower head was super powerful. So like as soon as you turned it on, if you weren't holding it, it would fly across the room. I learned that, but that's the only extent of what I had in Greece. <laughs> this is literally not music related at all. Which is- <laughs> Stoves, showers. Where are we going with the music, Tim? <laughs> Okay, so Christmas in July. It's Christmas in July. It's Christmas in July. And also, the other thing I was going to say, even before we launch into the uh, the Christmas selection, which I've picked out, um, as you know, we we enjoy the work and the life and times of Dolly Parton on this uh, on this show. And Pigeon Forge, where Dollywood is, does have a Christmas obsession. There is a hotel in Pigeon Forge called the Christmas Hotel which is decorated for Christmas the whole year round. They do like Christmas lunch every day. There's decorations There's Santa comes down at breakfast. It is a Christmas themed hotel. And if, and there's a big Christmas shop opposite there where you can buy decorations and Christmas trees all mm-hmm. year round. And that's not isolated. There's a lots of different little shops in Pigeon Forge that are Christmas themed. And Dolly's a big Christmas promoter in general. So this does not shock me. No, but I always said when we go to um, to Pigeon Forge, often we stay at the Christmas Hotel because it is the novelty of staying there, especially in the summer when it is 90 degrees outside. And you want to feel like it's cool. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so what I've done is I've gone through my um, extensive uh, music collection and I've picked out some Christmas songs, which I thought you may know, which I like too. Okay. I think the, uh, the the most important one of the lot, and I, I think I brought this to your attention previously, but I'm going to open the show's selection with this, is the Macarena Christmas Joy Mix. <laughs> yes, Tim brought this to my attention. I don't know that I knew it was a thing. Maybe I knew it was a thing. Maybe I didn't. But Tim was like, did you know there is a Christmas song that is slightly about you joy and i was like what are you talking about um if you haven't heard it it's fun i don't know that like i don't know that i've ever heard it as far as like played on a radio station or anything it's like something i found on youtube have you ever heard it played like recreationally because i don't feel like i have well where i where i found it i used to travel to sweden in a former life and their version of MTV, it actually could have even been MTV Europe. I can't remember, but I was there at Christmas, and it was on one. Of, it was wait, on rotation. Wait, pause. I have to. So, is there? A, does MTV in Europe say literally MTV in Europe? Yeah, or MT- is it just MTV? No, it's, it used. I, I, it used to be when I used to watch it. It was. It was called MTV Europe. Huh. Anyway, continue. I was just yeah. curious. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, they, and Sweden had some other music channels that were very similar, and they, they played some more local content. But it was either a, that or MTV Europe. I can't remember. But I saw that video 
on TV, which is how I know about it. Yeah, and I don't think I knew about it till you said anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, spreading back. So, while I do think the Macarena is important, and the Christmas one is even more important, mm. just like the Disney version, if you never heard it. Yes. <laughs> anyway, but... Um, Wait, are there other so like in America we had Fuse, like Fuse, like and it played like alternative rock back in the day. Mm-hmm. Are there any things that like cross? Like, was there a VH1 Europe? I have questions. Yeah, so we, so we well we go back go back a few steps. We didn't get multi-channel TV till the early nineties. That okay. wasn't a thing. And some some new towns had cable, and then I satellite- say we really did either. No, but I mean, you know, people had cable in the 80s, but it was a, it was a 90s thing to have multi-channel TV. Okay. And then some people had cable, but not many people had cable. And then Sky TV came out, which is Rupert Murdoch owned. They put this satellite up. It had 16 channels and the receiver and dish were very cheap to buy. And lots of people got involved in that. And I think initially we had MTV Europe. And then later on, we got VH1. Hmm. And... I- I'm just confused why it wasn't just MTV. Why did it have to have Europe? I don't know. Well, That's it, not related. <laughs> because it was a completely separate channel. It did. It had different hosts. It played different videos. It mm. was a diff, completely regionally. Um, and that was to steer to the audience. Yeah. And what was cool is that they played a lot of stuff from Central Europe that in the UK you wouldn't have heard of, which was interesting. So you, mm. you got to you got to hear and see some stuff you wouldn't really necessarily see. But what happened is that over time they stopped doing that and they just started playing housey housey rap music. And then, um, it, and then it then just it, like in here, it yeah, faded and off. Then, and then it became reality shows and then it was completely unwatchable. Did you guys have pop up video on your VH1? Yeah, I remember it on there. Okay, that's all that matters, Tim. That's really all this conversation was about. So was it called VH1 Europe or was it just called VH1? I think it was just called VH1, but MTV was definitely called MTV Europe. Interesting. I'm learning a lot. Not that this is related to Christmas at all. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying, though, is they played a lot of like Central Europe types that you would hear. This doesn't sound like a... I don't know. This probably sounds like almost like a Central Europe song. Yeah, I would imagine so. I, I mean, I'd never heard of it before I heard it on TV in Sweden. So, I mean, of course, the Macarena was a thing. But, yeah. the, but the Christmas Macarena, which everybody knows, <laughs> is the definitive <laughs> Macarena. Was it, wait, so I haven't heard it since the one time you told me about it like a year ago. Is it still in Spanish? Yeah, it has the yeah. same it has yeah, the same okay. Macarena thing. And then it just kind of slides into Christmas songs and it slides back into the Macarena Marina, again. That's what I thought. So fast forward to Tim teaching us Americas about Christmas in Europe. So Tim mentioned to me there was a joint Macarena. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I listened to it like once. I'm just going to tell you the <laughs> truth. I haven't listened to it since. But Tim also taught us about Christmas crackers and yes. all the fun games that they play in Europe that we do not play here. Um, is there anything that, so we talk about Christmas crackers and you put the little hat on, you get your little joke and all that stuff. Is there anything in America that we do that's weird to our European friends? Well, I, I, the thing for me is it seems to be the main holiday is Thanksgiving and Christmas to some degree, it seems almost like an afterthought holiday because mm-hmm. a lot of people only get Christmas day off 
I mean, we we are lucky where we are that we we, we work. We get Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off. Thank you, HR. Thank yeah, you, yeah, HR. Thank you, HR Department. Pat my own back. We got Juneteenth off this year. Pat my own back here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, but but a lot of American workers would only get Christmas Day off. Mm-hmm. And also, and, and also, you don't recognize Boxing Day, which I find hard to fathom. I know. And I, what does box? So I know it's the day after Christmas and everybody talks about it as like a day to unwind after Christmas in Europe. But what does the term boxing actually mean? Like, where does it come from? My, I looked this up a little while ago. My understanding of what this is, is that back in the back years ago, when rich people had had like butlers and, you know, servants around their house. <laughs> so not like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What would happen is that on Christmas Day, the servants, of course, will be serving the family and the cooks will be serving all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then on Boxing Day, traditionally, that's when the servants would have their day off and, oh. and, the, ri- and the rich people of the house would present them with a box of gifts. So it's being kind to your servants and we in America don't have a date. Okay. Well, I feel uncomfortable now. What's the next song, Tim? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The, the, um, the, the next one that I have on the list is one which I'm already out for this year. This is one where people play a game where they get in December and they see um, I already how, know long they can, how long they can last before they hear it, you know, naturally on the radio or TV or whatever. And that is Wham's Last Christmas. Okay. Ironically, Tim, or maybe unironically, I don't know. I can't understand what ironic means. They say it means one thing, but then they said that's not ironic. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I was talking to a coworker. We're just going to say her name starts Lexi. If you're listening, it's you. Anyway, so <laughs> Lexi, we were talking about Christmas. Do you remember last year? Remember before It was the year before life. Jonathan played music over the, the things at work. Yeah, and we yeah, don't yeah, normally yeah. have that. And for some reason in HR, it was super loud, but it wasn't loud anywhere else. I don't know what it was. <laughs> so I made the joke that it felt like my wham was playing in the middle of HR <laughs> while I was trying to work all day. <laughs> and it was talking about last Christmas. So I actually love the song last Christmas. We've talked about it and I have a feeling the waitresses are going to come up. So I'm going to hold my thoughts on them, but I actually love that song, but Tim's right in America. I don't know about Europe, but we hear it literally every day. I'll repeat till the end of Christmas, which given it is one of the, so what I think, why I think that is Tim and maybe it's neither here nor there. So, you know, we've got our traditional frosty and here comes Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. It's very hard for modern day artists or even kind of modern day think 80s 90s whatever to make a christmas song and make it popular Mm -hmm. because we're so stuck in our traditions because you know when you hear aria grande's version of santa's coming to town you're kind of like meh overrated you just ignore it but wham's last christmas did what a lot of modern and i think of wham as modern day even though i know they're not like modern day i'm thinking like post 1960 because a lot of those christmas songs came out in the 60s and before that so they did a really good job, just like Mariah Carey. We know Sandis, uh, Mariah Carey does a great job with the Christmas music, and she's one of the modern-day pop artists who's constantly being making money off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why it makes such a big – that's why it's so important around Christmas is because it's one of the few more modern-day, not Nat King Cole kind of artists that actually made a song that people want to hear. 
Could I, yeah. I don't know if that you think that, but that's what I think. I think so. I think you're right because a lot of Christmas songs, like you say, are just covers of old songs, and it's like Kylie Minogue doing this Christmas song, and then whichever pop star happens to be popular doing this Christmas song. But this this song is unique. It's I heard it. They probably didn't write it, but maybe George Michael Michael wrote it. I don't know. But it, but it's an original song to them, and it is stuck, and it plays every Christmas and people like it and it's become a thing. And that's why I think that that's well, while we make jokes about it and sometimes we're like, Oh God, I don't want to hear it at the same time. I'd rather, I'd almost rather hear it than sometimes Frosty the Snowman because I'm saying, especially being a choir kid, like, you know, in high school, middle school, we had to do Christmas concerts every year. There's only so many times I could sing about Frosty the Snowman by doing a four box square on beats. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's why I think that song's so important. And I, I mean, I like to hear it and then I like to not hear it and then maybe hear it again at the end. And if Donna Kitten cannot make it play in my office <laughs> on repeat, that'd be great. Thanks, Jonathan. Yay. <laughs> Somebody out there is like, who is Jonathan? It's a co-worker. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> well, you you alluded to this this song and what you were just saying. So I'm going to bring this one up, and it's Waitress's Christmas Wrapping. And I will say this is my favorite Christmas song of all time. 102% my favorite Christmas song of all time, too. Me and Tim had this discussion. Ironically, this is what I was telling Lexi the other day when we were talking about Christmas music. I could literally listen to Christmas rapping any time of the year. doesn't have to be Christmas. The sound, the putting it together, the beat, everything. It, it is a pop song. Like It has that pop beat. It's got a good flow to it, but it doesn't sound like any other Christmas song. Once again, I think it plays what I was just saying with the Wham thing. It's hard to find a Christmas song that's not Frosty the Snowman and done well. And they did a great job. And of any Christmas song ever, it's the only one I want to hear. Exactly. And I, I, will, I will go as far as to say Waitress's Christmas Wrapping. I, I, would hear, I would listen to that all year long. Yeah. Um, because when I was putting this list together to decide what songs I wanted to pick out for us to talk about, I listened to all of them. And a lot of them, it's, it's kind of jarring to hear a lot of these Christmas songs when it is 100 degrees outside and it's in, in July. But I don't know, when you put Christmas wrapping on, I hear it and I'm like, oh, this is great. I love this. Well, I think it's the arrangement. And I don't know if you'll agree with this, Tim. So when Tim was talking, you guys can't see me, but Tim can see me. I'm going, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, da, 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 this one this year. Merry mm -hmm. Christmas. You guys don't know the song we're talking about. Go listen to it. It's fantastic. But I think it's the arrangement. It kind of makes it sound like a pop song, but it's taking on the elements of Christmas um, very well. I don't know how to explain it. Kind of like Wayne Last Christmas is a pop song that's talking about Christmas, but it's not overly Christmas. That's true. And it's also it's a story song. It, it mm -hmm. tells the whole the, the, the Christmas thing that's going on with them at that time. And there's a lot of band instruments. Like, isn't there like trumpets in the background or something? There are. There is. There is a horn line in it. And, and it's mm -hmm. got a funky kind of Nile Rogers guitar mm. thing going on in it as well. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's just different, but it's different because like we were saying, and, and maybe people will disagree or won't agree. I have a hard time when like modern day Adam Lambert, Aria Grande or whoever it is puts out a Christmas album and they try to rearrange songs and make it their own. But there's just always like a piece missing. It's like, here's me singing last Christmas, but like I try to make it my own, but something's off. Mm -hmm. That song, nothing's off. I don't know how to explain it. Do you guys, do you know what I'm talking about Tim when every modern day pop artist tries to do their own spin on Christmas song? You've heard a thousand times and there's always just something off. 
Yeah, I think I think that comes down to a lot of modern day artists try and cover all kinds of songs, not necessarily Christmas ones. Yeah, and then the spin they put on it is not a good spin. I mean, like you you have like Joe Cocker doing a little help from my friends. I know that's a sixty year old reference, but <laughs> say Tim, that's not modern. <laughs> no, but but you know, like he made that a brand new song. It's mm-hmm. it's it's the same words and it's the same chords more or less, but it is completely new. But what you find, like you say, Ariana Grande doing her Christmas album, like I said before, it's the same thing, but just with a whatever production style is. is and I can say the now. last artist that I think did a really good job at this was probably Mariah Carey. And that's why she's known as the Christmas person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She took the Christmas thing. Yes, she did her own version of Silent Night. But I mean... She did her own. She did a pop version of a song that's about Christmas, but it's not quite Christmassy. I don't know. I think that if you're going to do it well, you have to give it that spark that you don't see. Mm-hmm. And that's just my opinion. And so whenever I hear um, John Mayer's version of Frosty the Snowman, I'm like, I don't really care. <laughs> no, it's, it's nothing new, nothing unique or nothing great. All right. What's next, Tim? So I know you're a big fan. Probably not. So there was an album that came out in 1980 that okay. contain, that has the very first recorded work of John Bon Jovi on it. Okay. And it was, <laughs> it's called, it's Star Wars at Christmas. Oh God. And it's called Christmas in the Stars. Of now, course it is. Have you ever heard of this? Um... I knew there was some Christmas Star Wars kind of related thing, but I don't know. That's all I do. I never listened to it. I never sought it out. I, I mean, I love that it's Christmas in the stars. That's pretty original. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> That's fantastic. And I don't know that I would have ever associated John Bon Jovi with Star Wars. Well, I think what happened is that his, I think his brother or his friend or something worked in a studio and it was about the time when <laughs> I he thought you were going to say i think his brother george lucas called him <laughs> yeah george, yeah his his uh, his elder brother george <laughs> gave him a call <laughs> anyway continue <laughs> i think he had some kind of relational friend who worked in a recording studio and it was around the time that he was sort of becoming a singer and playing in bands and things like that and he'd never recorded before so they needed some vocal track on this piece so we went in and recorded some vocals and i said it's the very first um instance of of john bon jovi recording anything and it's on the um track which has r2d2 and c3po called we wish you a merry christmas i mean that's kind of adorable i care more about hearing r2d2 and 3cpo than john bon jovi singing christmas music so if you can post that in the chat after we're done or in the facebook after we're done that's really all i want to hear <laughs> I, I i would do that and then the funny thing is c3po and r2d2 like almost narrate this whole album because there's like different uh, songs in it but like they're, they're and then r2's blipping and blopping all the way through it and my and i would say my favorite and the standout track on this is called what can you get a wookie for christmas when he already has a comb this is too much this is too much <laughs> so question so if this is the first really known john bon jovi thing which i know basics of john bon jovi i'm not completely ignorant to him of course he's a pretty famous artist but does he sound like the John Bon Jovi I'm imagining this almost like Rocky kind of screaming at me or does he sound Christmassy? He's a little bit more laid back. I think he hadn't hmm. developed his high singing rasp 
hmm. to, his, to his voice yet. Because to those out there, I don't know how familiar you are, but he has John Bon Jovi has a distinct sound. And mm-hmm. it's like no matter what he does, if he were singing to me about Christmas tree, it'd be John, John, John Bon Jovi singing about a Christmas tree. So I was curious because a lot of times artists do develop that kind of what their sound is later in life. So that's why I was wondering. Well, he doesn't quite have his sound, but he's halfway there. He's halfway there. So, I mean, that makes sense because it probably just plays with this natural tone. Exactly. But anyhow, I will I will post that. What can you get a Wookiee for Christmas and the John Bon Jovi song in the Facebook group? I think everyone should be enjoying the uh, <laughs> <laughs> enjoying it. Somebody's going to join the group, never listen to the podcast. It's like, huh, this looks interesting. Why are we talking about Christmas? Because well, it's Christmas in July. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. I also, also, I couldn't go an episode without mentioning Elton John because he seems to come up almost every time that we speak. So, Step Into Christmas from 1974. A favorite of mine also. Like, if I have to listen to Christmas music, Elton John Christmas music is what I want to listen to. Along with The Waitresses and maybe mm-hmm. Wham's Last Christmas, but only once or twice. After that, I'm done with it. <laughs> yeah, I have a whole Elton John Christmas album and it's much as you describe where it's Elton John reinterpreting classic Christmas songs, but certainly Step Into Christmas is a favorite of his sort of Christmas catalog. And I remember mm-hmm. growing up, we had an album. You know, In fact, we've spoken of it before, the Now That's What I Call Music. They had a Now That's What I Call Christmas. And I remember we had it when I was growing up and it was a 12-inch album. And that was one of the songs that was on it. So when I think of the step into Christmas, I always think of the like the line where he's like, um, come along with me, step into Christmas, the admission is free. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I just always thought it was interesting. He said the admission is free. Not that it's relevant because, I mean, Christmas is technically free. But let's be honest, it's not free if you live in the modern day world. Christmas is really <laughs> expensive. <laughs> so I don't know. That just always stuck out to me. Well, maybe he, he's telling you to get into the Christmas spirit is free. But if you mm-hmm. if you but if you shop like Elton John, it's not necessarily. I was free. saying, I don't think that Elton John's got any. He may. Did you know he had? He buys an album for every house he owns. So like, if he has a house in pair, I I don't know where Elton has multiple houses. This probably doesn't surprise Tim. He probably knows this. He's got one in L.A. He's got one in England. He's got some in some other countries, right? Mm-hmm. So if Elton has a house in L.A., Elton has a house in. Um, New York and Paris. Let's just use those examples. Mm-hmm. And the house in all three places. He said he buys, so if he buys an album, his own or another artist, he buys one for each house. Yeah, I, I mean, as ridiculous as that sounds. I was going to say, you uh, probably get it because it sounds like something you would do. <laughs> yeah, why, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, I have my extensive music collection here in the house. Because the and, internet you know, exists. <laughs> and I buy it with my budget, which I can afford to buy stuff. But like, if I could afford several houses, I, I want to, wherever I am, I think, oh, wouldn't it be great to listen to that Dire Straits album? And there it is. You've got it. Put it in your computer, rip it to your desktop, and you have it. I can't. The millennial and me can't with it. <laughs> but that is exactly, yeah, that's what he does. But maybe Elton is an audiophile. Maybe he has really high-end expensive hi-fi equipment and a 
£25,000 record player and all the trappings that comes with that. And maybe he that's why he wants to have a copy in every house he lives in. 100% he is because he's Elton John and he wants the nicest thing and everything. And say what you want about Devos, he's the best diva of them all. And I love it. I love Elton. My favorite, I've said many times, my favorite um, brew in the world is watching him and Madonna's back and forth. I think it's hilarious because <laughs> they're absolutely both ridiculous. <laughs> And their own rights. I love them, but they're both ridiculous. Um, Cher's probably a close third on that one, but she could be ridiculous. We've talked about her Twitter. <laughs> but he's 110% somebody who would have, like, the best setup in every place. And I get what he's saying, but the millennial means, like, the internet exists. You don't have to buy a physical album for every house. But I'm also the kind of person who's like, well, if I had the money that Elton had, even if I didn't spend my money on three different albums, I'd probably still spend it on the most ridiculous thing you ever heard. So who am I to judge? And the thing is, is that, I mean, how much is an album these days? If, say, let's say that Elton's into vinyl, for argument's sake. So okay. he's going he's gonna to spend £30 or $30 or something about that per album. So. Yeah. If he's buying four copies, five copies, without John money, I mean, does that even register? It probably doesn't. And did you know he doesn't have a cell phone? I could believe that. He doesn't own a cell phone. So when he was doing carpool karaoke with James Corden, he said he didn't own a cell phone. And James Corden's like, so I could kidnap you right now and no one would know it. He's like, kind of. And he's like, well, why don't you own one? He said, because there's always a some member of his posse around him, a producer, um, a record label person, his bodyguard who always has a phone around. So if he needs to make a call, he just asks to use their phone. Sure. And I'm sure I'm sure his husband, David, has a phone. Probably. Yeah. They I have mean, what? Two kids now? Yeah. Two? I'm sure the kids have got phones. Probably. I think. And the best part about their kids is Lady Gaga is literally their godfather. Those kids are like living the best life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Literally not talking about Christmas. That took a toll. But anyway, <laughs> here we go. All right. So I also looked through my um, library and I came up with this one. Now, I actually bought a, a physical copy of this because I didn't buy five copies. Just the one. wait. You only have one house, right? It's only in your one house. <laughs> exactly. So this is an album I didn't know existed up to five, six years ago, and someone turned me onto it. So when I saw a uh, physical copy of it in a thrift shop, I had to buy it. Okay. And it's John Denver and the Muppets, A Christmas Together. Okay, I do know John Denver. I love everything Muppets, period. All the Muppets, anything Muppets. But the Muppets are my favorite, and I did know there is a John Denver album with the Muppets. I'm kind of sad you didn't know about that until five years ago, Tim. No, I mean, I remember the Muppets as a very young child, but it, but the Muppets were not something I really grew up with, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I mean, are the Muppets popular in Europe? Um, yeah, I, th I think they are now. I mean, Sesame Street, I mean, they're Muppets too. That, that, yeah. that was not really a thing, certainly when I was growing up. I mean, it may have been on TV, but I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. It wasn't, it wasn't the cultural icon that it is in this country. Um, but I remember, so I remember the Muppet Show being on when I was when I was mm -hmm. very young, but it was it was it was didn't form part of my youth. So did you know that that album, John Denver and the Muppets, the Christmas Show or Christmas Special or whatever, is it's based off of an actual like television production they did on ABC in the seventies? No, I didn't know that. So if you go on YouTube, I know that's because my mom. I used to watch it as a kid. 
because my mom would play it occasionally and different things like that. So there's a, so the Muppets had a TV, a Christmas TV special they did with John Denver, kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen him with other artists like Elton and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or and they did a whole Christmas special and that's what the album's based off of. Ah, I, I, well, there you go. I've learned something. I didn't know that. Y'all, I taught him something. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's a Christmas special. I think it's probably like 78, 79 late seventies, but yeah, I mean, and John Denver looks exactly like you remember long hair, glasses, look at very seventies telling you to go fly in a plane somewhere or an airplane, air jet, whatever he says, <laughs> <laughs> he looks like that. But yeah, there's a whole Christmas special. And of course the Muppets look adorable dancing around like Muppets, but yeah, I'll have to find a video of it, but it was an actual Christmas special. And I'm assuming that's what the album is built off of. Yeah, and then the album the album is from nineteen seventy nine, so that that everything ties up as you said. Whoa! Hey! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, I tell you, the next song I have on my list. Now, this is a song which, if you live in England, together with Last Christmas, is almost impossible to not hear. And I don't know if it ever made it to this country. Certainly, my wife Hannah is not sure whether she'd never heard it, but then she says the lines are blurred because she's lived with me for 20 years, so she doesn't really know. That's fair. So this is Slade, Merry Christmas, Everybody. Are you familiar with that? Well, I'm familiar with the band Slade. He goes, so here it is. Merry Christmas. Everybody's having fun. Okay, it's not popular, but I think I have heard it. It is not popular in America. Like, you're not going to hear it like last Christmas. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I thought, because it is here. It's you hear that everywhere. You know, there's TV commercials with it on and the radio plays it. And it's it's the it's the de facto rockish Christmas anthem. Yeah, it's something. Is it something about like there's a stocking on your wall and Santa's yeah, having a ball? You, yeah, that's the one. I, I've heard it, but I cannot confirm that I've actually heard it in America or if it was just on some YouTube playlist. Now, because you know that, like she was saying, the the lines are not that I've lived ten for ten years, but the lines kind of blurred because like I might have had just like a music playlist on YouTube and it's playing Christmas music and it came through, but mm-hmm. it's not a song you hear here. No. No, and that, that's what surprised me, just, just how incredibly big it is in England, but compared to here where no one would know what it is. What was Wham's Last Christmas that super popular in Europe? Oh, 100%. Oh, okay. Darn you, George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like one of those songs that like I feel like I've heard, but I can't account for if I've heard it just like randomly and it's not. But no, I would not hear it on TV or in a commercial or anything like that. Exactly. Well, that's 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 interesting. So that that proves that it, um, Hannah hadn't heard it before she met me. So there Probably you go. Probably <laughs> not. I think I've heard it on a YouTube video or something. There you go. All right. Well, I uh, another song that I have, which I'm sure you probably have heard, and I don't. Again, I don't know how how popular it is, but it's Paul McCartney's "Wonderful Christmas Time." It's pretty popular here too. Mm-hmm. Like that's one you hear every Christmas. Maybe not like once again, not like every other song, but every fifth song or something. It's probably <laughs> it's one more. And, and what's weird though is speaking of like Beatles, was it's imagine so imagine the song like John Lennon. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it's almost become associated as like a Christmas song. Or no, I'm thinking of what's that song that I'm thinking of with him and Yoko Ono with the kids. Well, well there's Happy Christmas War is over. 
Yeah, that one. But then I feel like Imagine's kind of become like almost like I feel like I hear it more around Christmas time. Maybe I am. It, it's it's hard to say because I don't listen to the music radio, so I, I don't have a good uh, good handle on it. But maybe that's the case. Maybe I'm just associated with it because I hear the Happy Christmas Wars over so much, which is yeah. the picture on my on my um, Twitter. If you've never noticed that, my headers that one. Um, but the yeah, other, I just feel like I've heard it associated. Yeah, the other thing I found out about Happy Christmas Wars over the the it's with the Harlem Community Choir. I mean, I guess I knew it was a choir, but I didn't know what choir it was. Yeah, I, when, I was, when I was looking stuff up for this episode, it, it's the Harlem Community Choir. I mean, I can hear, speaking, go back to Paul McCartney, the moon is up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can hear that in my head. That one's used a lot. That intro is used a lot. I feel like it car commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's got that. So that's a good thing to go back to what we were saying about pop artists doing Christmas music and making it their own. That song had just like wars over Happy Christmas, whatever you want to call it, has a different sound, but it doesn't seem almost like an overkill on what you hear a lot. Because that song has that da, 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 sound at the beginning and it kind of plays through that. Through It gives it a different kind of feel than some other Christmas music, but it doesn't feel like they're trying too hard to make a Christmas song. I think that's what makes the difference in a pop song versus just a person who does an album. That's true. And the other the other default thing that everybody does when they make Christmas music is you put sleigh bells on it. Yeah. But I mean, who can't hear simply having a wonderful Christmas time? I mean, it's a great, it's a great play. And it's Paul McCartney. How can you go wrong with that? Exactly. And if you guys didn't know it, record scratch, he was a Beatle. <laughs> <laughs> another, another no name music casting exclusive for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you may have been a part of a band back in the day or something. I've heard that before. Heard that. <laughs> So, okay, sticking to Paul McCartney and being a Beatle and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. So, you know how he was knighted and now he's a sir? Yes. How do they pick who gets knighted? Well, it's not, as to my, my understanding is it's not obviously the Queen who, like, flicks through the, uh, <laughs> the, the Daily Mirror and goes, oh, look, it's Paul again. We better give him a knighthood. I think they have a team of people working with the royals deciding so like who, the kennedy senior honors type it's, thing. It's like, i'm sure there's a panel or there's there's some kind of process that decides who is worthy of the of the knighthood i don't know anyone else who's been knighted who else has been knighted uh ringo uh why does it, nobody ever call him sir ringo then why is it only <laughs> paul who ever gets the sir i don't know and disrespect um, isn't 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 mick jagger a sir i think <laughs> I have no idea. I, like I said, I'm literally the only one in America that we know about is Paul. And now I feel bad for Ringo. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Paul. I mean, it's Paul. Because literally people will call him Sir Paul McCartney, like just saying it. But you never hear Sir Ringo Starr. No, but he's all about peace and love. That's true. And Paul's more kind of posh, I guess. I think so. Well, what's funny is if you see any uh, you see any Beatles documentaries. Have you ever you've seen that one, the the anthology documentaries that came out years ago? Have you seen those? Yeah. And then you have Paul being interviewed and George was alive when it was interviewed. And Mm -hmm. they're all they're all very, like, very arty. And they're talking about, oh, whether, you know, we was interpreting this and interpreting that. And I, you know, I went off to India and I came back and my perception of this and perception of that. And. 
Ringo is much more down to earth. He goes, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't like that. That was terrible. I ate the food in India. I didn't, I didn't want to come home. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, though. And I, I have a hard time with this, and this is going to sound really bad. I'm sorry, Beetle Gods out there. I love you. I'm not in the Beetle room, but Tim can tell you there is a Beetle room in my bedroom. But um, <laughs> like that, there's a bunch of Beetle stuff, guys. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um I feel like sometimes I wonder how much of what George and Paul were saying and how much we can attribute to drugs. I would imagine an awful lot of it, to be honest. <laughs> Especially in India. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, I, I think I think they were um, recreationally enhanced. I mean, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds wasn't about a painting that Julian Lennon did. I think I think we can confirm that. What do you mean? LSD was about it. <laughs> And um, and this is neither here nor there. We talked a little bit about um, some other drug use in the past where we were talking about, can you separate the art from the artist? Um, John Lennon came up and I had a book that I used to, I had a book, it was called like Hippie or something I read. And there was a whole section on the Beatles and there was many pictures of them with many substances around them. <laughs> And I'm not saying that um, George Harrison did not go through his spiritual awakening that he says he did. Of course, when he came back, he wrote a song that then became known that it was a cover of another song from the 60s that a female band did. So I'm not real sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, but I just wonder when you hear them talk, when I hear Paul talk and I hear George talk, I hear a lot of drugs. And then when I hear Ringo talk, I hear a dude who's just kind of like, I don't know what's going on. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's, a, he's a lot more um, straightforward. And in, in that Beatles anthology, John Lennon had an album out after the Beatles <laughs> split. And on the cover was him and Yoko naked. Mm -hmm. And he showed it to Ringo. <laughs> Ringo was like, he was like, what is this? He went, oh, it's, it's all right, John, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Do you want to show that? <laughs> well, I mean, and don't get us started about Yoko Ono and John in the bedroom for 30 days. <laughs> we, we could go on for days. There's a whole level there. And Tim talked about apparently John could not handle heroin well, which I don't think anyone should handle heroin well. <laughs> No, but, but well, you know, but when you're hanging out with Keith Richards, yeah, who, who and um, his it, you try and keep up with Keith, Keith Richards's uh, recreational drug uh, takings. You're not really hanging out with the right person. <laughs> That's a fair statement. Didn't do it well. All right. I don't know how heroin has to do with Christmas, but what's the next song? <laughs> <laughs> well, the next song. This is a this is a Christmas song that I only discovered its existence. Um, Again, not that long ago, maybe a bit longer, 15 or so years ago. And okay. I tell you and I tell you where I heard it for the first time. I was in the hard, hard, hard rock had a bar, not a cafe, a bar in Bristol in England, which is on the M4 on the way to oh, Wales. I thought you meant like Bristol, North Carolina. For no, a no, second. no, no, no. Bristol, as in you drive down the M4 before you get to Wales, Bristol. And yeah, I've been there before. Yeah, you know it. And um it was a concept they had where they were going to have bars in, as rather than cafes. They just had bar snacks and stuff. And it, it didn't last. There was only one concept of this hard rock bar and then they closed it down. I think there was another one in an airport somewhere like in Singapore or something. But anyway, that didn't work and they closed it down too. But they had okay. the same hard rock thing where they play the videos and okay. have the music in, in, in the bar. And much of the hard rock playlist tends to be a little bit more US orientated. 
even in the UK and European hard who, rock. Who owns hard rock? Are they their own company or is there like another person putting it out there? It used to be owned by Top Rank, which is a company that owned bingo clubs in England. And then it, then the Somali uh, Native American tribe bought it and they own a lot of casino interests. Okay. And they, well, that and makes what, sense. And they're, they're very shrewd and very good business people. <clears throat> and they actually closed a lot of hard rocks down after they bought it, the ones that were not performing. So like in England, there was five, there was all over. There was one in Nottingham and there was one in Leeds and there was one here, there and everywhere. And in the end, they closed them all down. And the, I think the only one left is London. And I, there may be one hmm. in Edinburgh. I can't remember. And if, any, if anyone knows, wants to ask why Tim knows this, we'll get into it. on. We'll have a hard rock episode. We'll in do the a hard rock episode another time. There's a whole story there. Continue, Tim. Anyhow, so we went to the hard rock bar in Bristol and it was around Christmas time. And they played this song and I'd never heard it. And then like Hannah's singing along with all the, all the, uh, the words. And I was like, I've never heard this before. And it is grandma got run over by a reindeer. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I've been hearing that song. No wonder Hannah was singing it as we in Southwest Virginia have been hearing that song since we were three years old. <laughs> so is it not played in Europe? I'm guessing. Well, I'd never heard it. Huh? Well, for our European friends, I'm just going to give you a little bit. It's literally that grandma got ran over by a reindeer walking home from our house Christmas Eve. Yeah. You can say there's no such thing as Santa. But as for me and Santa, me and grandpa, we believe. It's a song about grandmother literally getting ran over by a reindeer. And it's done. I don't know who the original is done by, but there's a version done by Jeff Foxworthy with the blue club, blue collar comedy tour so it's like it's literally marketed to the south of america mm-hmm. it's ridiculous but i mean i've been hearing it since i was a kid and it is one of those earbugs so it's not shocking to me that hey would be singing it i just find it interesting that you hadn't heard it because like i swear i've heard that song since i was like two yeah no and the version i have is by dr elmo <laughs> see i don't even know i feel like there's been i know there was a version and then Jeff Foxworthy got a hold of it. And then he did a version for the Blue Comedy Tour. And that's what I associated with. But there was another random dude who sang it. And it's probably Dr. Elmo, which I don't think is Elmo from Sesame Street. Could be wrong. No, I I, I don't know of uh, Dr. Elmo or his heritage or, or his other work. <laughs> He's not a red monster. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, though, too, that you learned that at a hard rock of all places. And a, and a hard rock concept bar in Bristol. That just was like a pop-up and then disappeared five days later. Well, so, it, it was there for a year or so, maybe. Question, was it around Christmas? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was at Christmas okay. time. Well, that makes more sense than if it was like <laughs> August and Grandma got ran over by a reindeer sort of No, the, the, the only people who are celebrating Christmas in July are us. Nobody else does that. So what's funny about you saying that is I, I'm almost burnt out of the song. <laughs> I don't know that. Like, I want to hear it like once, maybe twice a Christmas season, but that's it for me. <laughs> and then, then and, you you are done with it. Yeah. And so like you with what was did we say? What was the song earlier that you said is not popular in America that we talked about this on every European thing ever? Oh, Merry Christmas, everybody slayed. That, so that's our version of that. Yes. <laughs> And if you have a mother who likes country music like I did, which actually I've said many times, I attribute my big music stitch and knowledge to my parents. They taught me great things, but my mom did listen to a lot of 90s country that played a lot. Yeah. And I have no, well, I say I don't have any knowledge, but 
my knowledge of country music was zero before I moved here. And then it and it went up a lot after I started playing in local bands around here because everybody plays country music. And I'd, I'd never really heard of country music outside of Dolly Parton and that kind of era of country music. You said that was becoming more popular in Europe now, right? Yeah, I, it, was, it was sometime after I left because I, I left in um, early 2011. And I seem to remember there was some kind of contemporary country music festival that went on at the O2 in London, which is a big arena. I've heard of it, yeah. Because the Spice Girls were there last year. That's the only reason I know what the O2 is. And also, I can tell you, interesting fact, the O2 arena is a carbon copy of the Staples Center in Los Angeles. And the reason that is the case is because that arena is acoustically perfect. Or is a perfect. I just got deja vu. You've said that before in a podcast episode. <laughs> Y'all, somebody who's a diehard fan, tell us what episode Tim said that exact fact. <laughs> I th- actually, I tell you when I tell you when I said that fact was on our pre-podcast trial that we did before um, we actually made this a podcast. Never mind. Don't go back because you won't find it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can you can. I think maybe I pulled it off YouTube, but but Joe and I did some pilot shows before we decided to make this a proper podcast. And we just put them up on YouTube just to see what it would do. And I think it was on those episodes I told you about it. I remember something about perfect acoustics in O2 and then like deja vu, like light bulbs started going off in my head. I was like, this sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there we go. The diehard fans would have heard that before. The the new fans of the show would have never heard that. (laughs) And if you're a diehard fan, what are you doing, man? <laughs> that well, was if, way back. <laughs> well, if you are a diehard fan, thank you. We we appreciate, we appreciate you. it. Yeah, I'm we appreciate kidding. you listening to our show. That's a joke. That's a joke. Okay, Tim, what's next on the Christmas list? Well, this is another one that you hear in England all the time, and I'm sure it's probably the case here. That's the same here as well. And that's Band-Aids. Do you know it's Christmas? Yeah, you hear it a lot here, too. Why do they wonder if we don't know it? That's the one that's like, so it was for Africa, right? Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a, one of the first things that happened for Band-Aid was the thing that led into Live Aid. Yeah. Which, well, so I've never actually heard any, like I knew what Band-Aid was, but did they have like, was it like an actual concert? Was it televised? How did Band-Aid become a thing? Do you know, Tim, before Live Aid? Because I don't. I th- what I think happened, if I remember correctly, Bob Geldof, so there was a news report that they went out to Ethiopia and they reported on the famine that was there and all the people yeah. that were dying and all the poverty and all the you know terrible stuff that was happening there. Mm-hmm. And Bob Geldof saw it on TV and he wanted to do something. So being a musician, he called up all his rock and roll friends and they recorded the charity single, Do They Know It's Christmas? And it's like everybody who was famous at the time participated in it. And then I think from there, I think once Band-Aid had been established, they decided to do Live Aid. And Live Aid was was a continuation of that. And for those who like are like me, and I know what Band-Aid is because I've heard that, and I knew it was a lead-in to Live Aid, but I didn't know the history. So Live Aid did like, um, what's the song, We Are the World? We yeah, are we, yeah, the world. Yeah, We Are the World is the U.S. answer to Do They Know It's Christmas. It's the same principle yeah. where it's lots of famous artists who happen to be famous at the time, and it's a charity song and lots of people singing a line each. And where, yes. whereas, whereas Do They Know It's Christmas was mostly U.K. artists, um, the um, USA for Africa song was mostly U.S. artists. 
So that's where I was going with it. The We Are the World USA for Africa. You've got, um, I mean, you've got Cindy Lauper. You've got Michael Jackson. Um, who else am I listening? I think Kenny Rogers was in there. Like everybody you've ever heard of saying in the We Are the World, the original. There was a modern day version they did in the early 2000s. And I'm just not going to talk about it because it was a little disappointing. Um, sorry if you guys liked it. You guys can enjoy it. And I, I love the idea of reinterpreting something to spin, you know, for charity. They did it for charity. Um, and that was for like, what was that for, Tim? What did they redo We Live Aid for in the I, early 2000s? I think it was the same thing. I say, I think it was, I think it was, it could have been for some other famine relief or something along those lines. It was for the place that had not a hurricane, but, um, oh, where Wycliffe is from. Um, oh, Haiti? When that stuff happened in Haiti, the earthquake or was it, or was it an earthquake in Haiti? I think so. It was for that. They redid that because Wycliffe was the one who produced the new We Are the World. Yeah, and they also did another, um, I think they did a remake of Do They Know It's Christmas, and I think it was called Band-Aid 20 or something, and it was yeah. just, it was much the same song, but it had people who are now famous 20 years later singing on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally speaking, I would rather give some money to their worthy charity, and they didn't do that. If there was a way it said, hey, donate some money and we won't make this song, I think I'd prefer that. That's kind of the way I feel about the We Are the World. Because I absolutely love the original We Are the World. I mean, you had, like, let's talk about this. You had, I mean, first of all, if you've never listened to it, guys, that's fantastic. It's cliche. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong. I realize it is cliche. I mean, it's literally, we are the world. We are the, you know, it literally sounds cliche. But, I mean, you had every artist. And what was nice about it was they sang together. And when they sang together, they didn't try to overpower each other. It sounded like a choir, which you don't always get when you have a lot of artists together. But then they each gave them a little piece to sing, right? So mm -hmm. each artist had a little piece to sing. I mean, who am I thinking of, Tim? So I know I, for some reason, Michael Jackson keeps coming to mind. Donna Summer was there. Bob um, Dylan. You Bob got Bob Dylan. Dylan there. You got Bruce Springsteen. Jimmy Lauper. It was produced by Quincy Jones. Jones. And he's, yeah, he, and he's at the front, like literally doing like a choir to them. Mm -hmm. um, it's a fantastic piece. And Huey Lewis is on it as well. So according to the internet, there's 46 artists, which is why I can't exactly remember every single one. And when you're watching it, you could hear each person come through and you're like, oh, that's blah, blah, blah. Um, and so it's a really cool piece. And what's nice is I like how they kind of even artists that like aren't known to be great vocalists. They still let them have their moment. Mm -hmm. I was really. And so anyway, um, and then didn't Michael Jackson help write it, though? I'm not sure. I think Quincy Jones wrote it. Maybe he got a co-writing thing on it. But I mean, I could be wrong. No, I mean, the, the, all the money went to the charity. It didn't go to. Yeah, nobody. I wrote. mean. I think it's one of those things where there's not really any egos when it comes to um, writing. It's just, you know, we're writing this song for a good cause and that's that. Exactly. So if you guys have never heard it, moral story is to listen to it. It's pretty cool. Okay. So the next song that I have on here is this is an all time classic as well. And this is Brenda Lee's rocking round the Christmas tree. It is an all time favorite. I haven't, I haven't really, that's not what I hear that often though. Like I hear walking around the Christmas tree, but I don't know that I hear her version per se. No, I, think, I need to think about this. Yeah. The thing is about that I have found out about Brenda Lee. I, I don't know if Brenda Lee is still alive, but certainly when she was playing a lot of gigs, 
Brenda Lee would close with rocking around the Christmas tree, regardless of the time of year. So you go and see her in the summer. She's still huh. going to close with rocking around the Christmas tree. And we're talking 50s and 60s, right? Because Brenda Lee's like, what? She started early 50s. Rock yeah. Around the Christmas Tree is an old song that's been re-recorded since the early 50s. Yeah, I, the version I have, it sounds like a 50s sort of sound. Yeah, I mean, I think all of the Rock Around the Christmas Tree do. Let's see. Um, she currently does live in Nashville, Tim. Oh, she's Brenda still alive. Lee is still alive. And you guys heard her here first. Somebody out there is going, yeah, we never said she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm I'm pleased, Brenda. I'm still I'm pleased that Brenda is still alive, and hopefully, she's still closing every one of her gigs with "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree." But I will say, so you know, "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree mm-hmm. at the Christmas Party Hop." The female version. He, the, so I there's a male version, which I don't I don't know off the top of my head who sings the male version. We hear a lot from the fifties. Sure, it's somebody obvious when you say it, but her female version is the one you hear because you hear a male version and a female version, and mm-hmm. hers is I think you hear them pretty equivalent. And I don't know that I ever associated with one particular person until you said that. But yeah, I have heard her version plenty of times. Yeah, I, I've I've certainly heard Brenda Lee's version more than anyone else. Yeah. Who's the guy who sings it? Now I'm curious. Maybe you should. Uh, you'll be on the internet there. Hey Tim, have you ever heard of this thing? It's called Google. <laughs> <laughs> Male version. <laughs> I'm just of, curious. Of rocking around the Christmas tree. To be honest, oh Johnny Marks. It was hmm. written by Johnny Marks, but it was recorded by Brenda Lee. Okay. I can't really find a male version. I swear there's a male version I've heard, though. You know, it's probably one of those songs. It's an iconic Christmas song, and it's probably been recorded by everybody. Yeah, pretty much. That's what the Internet says. <laughs> there you go, Google. That's what you said. Yeah, I'm reading it. And it's like, it was written by this person, produced by this person, but recorded by this person. I'm like, okay. But also, so what's fun about that song is rocking around. It's a four count song, right? If you guys have never heard it. So I, I feel like most people have heard that song. Uh, but if you haven't, it's always used in like Christmas choir. So if you were ever in choir in high school or you were in show choir like I was, that song is always used when you're doing your Christmas choreography never fails because mm-hmm. it's a four count. And every time you're doing, you always end up doing a box square. Um, like the where you're one square, one quarter. I don't know how much you guys know about choreography, but it's like it's the perfect one to do like the classic jazz box square too. So that song always comes up when you're doing choreography in high school because you're like right, left, right, left, like da 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 da. da, da. So that's why it's always used because it's really easy to do choreography too. I, I I've I've performed my entire life, but I've never got involved with choreography or dancing. So <laughs> you 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 have a one up on me for that. Another one is Jingle Bells. Is the same way. So Jingle Bell. It's always da 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 da. So Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells. Mm. It's slower, but it's the same method. Some reason you always end up doing a jazz square in that song. In that song, for anyone out there who was in show choir, they're probably going yes, exactly. <laughs> and have you ever sustained an injury dancing to any of these Christmas songs in, in that? Mm, I don't think so. I think I got my foot stepped on once, but that wasn't my fault. That was just a bad dancer beside me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad there's at least some minor injury story that goes along with that. <laughs> 
I'm pretty sure my friend Corey stepped to my foot once because he was my choreography partner, but that's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've got one more song and we'll close this episode out. And this is, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. So, um, obviously, the first thing you said was, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Bye, right? You're a mean one, one Mr. Mr. Grinch. Grinch. So, I am not... I'm not a huge Christmas person. I'm not a huge Christmas music person. I like it for a short amount of time. Like there's a period in Christmas where I want to hear Christmas music. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you're like that, Tim, but I'm like, this is the time I want to hear Christmas music. And then I'm done with it. Don't want to hear it outside of this. So my best friend and my husband are both Christmas people. Mm -hmm. They're Christmas people. They Molly, my best friend, will start listening to Christmas music. November. I'm like, girl, we can't. I'm done. (laughs) Charlie's not quite as bad, my husband, but he's pretty bad. But he loves the movie The Grinch. Loves, loves, loves the movie The Grinch. He loves the old version. He loves the, what is the guy who plays in the new version? The um, actor, whatever. doesn't matter. Modern day version too. Loves, loves, loves that one. So that song is one he plays on repeat a lot um, throughout the Christmas season. And because he plays it so much, even though I'm not big on Christmas either, that's one I could hear multiple times. And maybe I become immune to it. Mm-hmm. But that one I do care to I can hear that one multiple times that I don't get upset about it. Yeah, we have a we have a tradition in, in our house on Christmas morning. We always watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but the one we watch is the nineteen sixties, fifties cartoon version. He likes both. Um his mother his grandma was like that. Um he they, it was just like a thing in their house. His grandma's big on Christmas. She played Christmas music early in the year. But for some reason, the Grinch was just for Charlie. It's very nostalgic. Mm-hmm. And he loves the Grinch. Jim, Jim Carrey. That's who I was trying yeah, to think yeah, of. The yeah, Jim yeah. Carrey version of. Um, so he likes either. He plays both. It doesn't matter. He'll listen to the 1960s. He'll listen to the Jim Carrey version. But that song plays on repeat. Um, and I guess maybe because it has some super sweet place in his heart. And it's, you know. He's, his, you know, his heart grew three times. You know, it's the big Christmas story in a way. So, like, for a lot of people, you listen, you watch Ray, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer or something. No, not in my house. It's always the Grinch. Pretty much. That's what we get. So, that's what I think of when I hear that song. I've, ne- I've never seen the Jim Carrey film, but one time when I was at Universal Studios in Hollywood, they had the set from that film. Yeah. And I mean, I- it plays pretty well to the original. Yeah. He didn't take a whole lot. I'm not like a huge Jim Carrey fan, but he didn't take a lot of liberties in that one. I remember, though, I went and saw that one in theaters whenever it came out early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And the theater was packed. Like, I mean, person after person after person, like there was no empty seats. They were having to send people away no. for whatever reason. It was packed. So they must have mass like advertised that one like just pushed it all out to which Jim Carrey is a household name in the early 2000s. So maybe that's why, but they definitely, that one was a super popular film. Well, well, there we go. Well, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, on those thoughts of the Grinch, we will wish all of our followers a very Merry Christmas in July. And we will see you next week when it will not be Christmas. See you later. Bye.